0: Hi, this is Dr. Kimberly Leonard, and you're listening to Incredible Life Creator Podcast. My guest today is Mary Ellen Saganovich. Mary Ellen Saganovich taught middle school for over 14 years in four different states. Since Healing Words: Life Lessons to Aspire was published and launched on the national scene, she is an inspirational motivational speaker on the topic of awareness of the self. Mary Ellen was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis in 1986. She fights this monster daily as she is in an M S warrior. Mary Ellen does not allow anything to hold her back from accomplishing what she needs to accomplish in life. She teaches people how to view their life from a different perspective. Mary Ellen is a suicide survivor who has seen the light of heaven and been sent back, been sent back. She thinks women should have the right to choose. Mary Ellen taught many lower income girls in the inner city of Atlanta, Cole County of West Virginia and Appalachian Mountains of North Carolina, who were impregnate, impregnated by stepdads, mothers, boyfriends, etc., when they were only twelve or thirteen. Mary Ellen is now the author of Truth, Taking Responsibility unleashes true healing, an inspirational, motivational book of 366 daily truths to guide
1: you through your life journey.
0: Welcome to the podcast, Mary
1: Ellen. Well, thank you, Dr. Kimberly. Uh, thank you so much for having me. It's such a blessing. I'm just totally humbled. Thank you.
0: Yes, <clears throat> I know I was I was attracted to you because I saw you posting your truths every day on Facebook, mm-hmm. and I thought we need to share this, woman with everyone. <laughs> well, thank you.
1: <laughs> I'm trying to get those truths out there to people to wake people up.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. So, um, I read quite a bit in your. Bio here. Um, why don't yeah. you tell us a little bit about it, you from your perspective, and um,
1: so we can get to know you? Okay. Well, I was born in outside Buffalo, New York, and at the age of six, I was diagnosed with epilepsy. It was petty mal epilepsy, and of course, that was back. And you know, I was born in '52, so that was '58. And I just remember after I had the first EEG, coming home, and the house was all dark, and my whole family was crying. And I'm like, okay, somebody died, you know? So I said, well, mom, who died? And she goes, well, nobody, we're crying for you. And I'm like, I mean, I'm six, I'm in first grade. And then she tried to explain to me what epilepsy was, you know, and she always told me to hide it and to look a certain way so people wouldn't see it. And I always knew growing up that I had a lot of angels around me. And I always knew that it's not that your parents are trying to hurt you. They're not. They're trying to protect you from society. Okay. And at that time, an epilepsy was still looked at as being very demonic and all that, all those kind of negative things. So I went through life with a kind of a very low self image because I saw the only way my own family of accepting me was if I looked okay. Mm-hmm. And of course, after a lot of therapy and, everything else you know I still like the way I look and I do it for me I don't do it for anyone else like like I used to have have to do it so I went through high school and college and finally in college I was in a sorority I was Alpha Chi Omega and my I finally got up enough courage to tell my roommate and she goes well so what you must be perfectly fine I'm like what do you mean so what you know And then as I was getting engaged, my first husband, it took me six hours to tell him that I had epilepsy. And he goes, well, finally, he said, I thought you were going to die. That's no big deal. And I was like, no big deal. And then his mother taught me, she was a saint, and she, she taught me more about understanding and accepting myself, even with this flaw. Well, my first husband got up one morning and said, I don't love you anymore and left. And I was like, okay, I guess we're not going to church today because it was a Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. So I moved back to Atlanta with my daughter and uh, I started playing tournament racquetball. And I was very good at it because I practiced like six hours a day. I'm not a natural athlete. I really have to practice at it. And I started getting... I couldn't see the ball and I would lose my balance. And then I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. So I'm like, well, okay, I've fought the epilepsy. You know, I'm okay with that. So I can fight this too. Well, I wouldn't wish MS on anybody because it's very, very difficult. And you never know when it's going to hit you, which is the trickiest part. So I started learning about, of course, in 1986, when I was diagnosed, there weren't any shots, there weren't any medications that you could take. So I started researching Ayurvedic healing, Chinese herbs, and what would work for MS other than the... So when the shots came out, I was told, well, you won the national lottery to get them. When I was teaching middle school at the time, and I read about it, that you might have flu-like symptoms for a couple of days. Well, why would I want that, you know? And I told the MS Society, I said, well, I'm not going to take them. And they said, well, you don't understand. We have people waiting in line. And I was like, well, call the next person. You know, I'm not going to go that way. And something in my knowings, and that's what I teach people to do. If you can see me right now, I'm pointing to my knowings or my gut or my core, told me that I could deal with it instead of having it deal with me. So I do exercise a whole lot. Uh, I eat a strict diet. MS is very, um, you have to learn what your triggers are. And just because something triggers my MS doesn't mean that somebody else with MS has the same trigger. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I went through that. And I got married to my second husband. And, of course, when you don't like somebody and you're dating, all you have to do is say, well, I have epilepsy and MS. They turn around and take you home. (laughs) 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 But, But I started dating Pete. And uh, my daughter like, what well, did you tell him yet? And I was like, no, but I'm gonna tell him, you know, cause it's just not right. So I played him in a game of racquetball. I gave him 14 points, you paid a 15 and I beat him 15, 14. So I told him, well, I have epilepsy. So a couple of days go by and I said, well, I have something else to tell you. And so I finally blurted out that I have MS because you don't know how people are gonna take that. And he paused, which to me, Kimberly was the longest pause on the planet, and he said, well, I love you. He said, but is there anything else you have to tell me? <laughs> <laughs> I well, was just like, give it all to me. <laughs> I, I said, no, and you know, we've been married maybe 23 years this year, so, and have a wonderful marriage, and then when we got married, I quit teaching, and I knew I was supposed to write a book, so I wrote my first book. He Healing words, life lessons to inspire. Which for the second edition is out now, but the first edition, and it came out in two thousand eleven on my birthday, which to me was a sign of from God that I was doing, you know, what He because I heard all these vignettes from my higher power. I didn't write these; I heard them. Mm-hmm. And Pete thought I was having a breakdown. He really did because I wrote in longhand, and I still write in longhand. But you know, it's just one step led to another. And then from Healing Words, I started posting the truth of the day to market the book. And here I am with you.
0: <laughs> beautiful. And they are beautiful words. And you know, as you said, um, truth. So let's talk about truth. What uh-huh. does truth really mean? I mean, so many people say, well, it's relative. I don't think it's relative. What?
1: Explain to me what is truth. Well, truth simply is. Truth can be a fact, but not all facts are truths, okay? Like God is. I am. That is a truth, okay? Two plus two equals four. Now, that's a truth. It's never going to change. It's also a fact, okay? And yet, if I tell you, well, the sky is blue today, that might be a truth for today, but that's not necessarily a truth because it's changeable. It might be cloudy, or it might be gray. The blue color of the sky is simply the color that we see reflected back to us. So that's not necessarily a truth. A truth is something like what you focus on expands, what you think about happens. When you focus on something and put your energies toward creating it, that happens in your life, whether it's positive or negative. Uh, a truth is something like you're never upset for the reason you think. Whatever you're upset about over here is really, there's really something over here that's triggering it, and there's something you need to learn from it. Mm -hmm. So, and truth is relative to each individual, yet there are universal truths, or what I call God's truths, like what you focus on expands, what you think about happens, Mm -hmm. you know. It's it's interesting because people do our society equates truthfulness with honesty. And I did miracles with Mary Ellen on Monday on honesty. And just because you're honest doesn't mean you're truthful. And just because you're truthful doesn't mean you're honest. That makes sense. So something that's changing is not a truth. A truth no. is always a truth. Yeah. A, a truth is true for everybody, every one of us, you know, all the time, doesn't change, immovable.
0: And why is it important to concentrate on truths or
1: put our attention on truth? Well, when you put your attention on your truth, that is what you are, your core essence. So you, you, In truth, you are your core. You're not your thinking self. This is your ego mind. Yeah, it gets you into trouble all the time. Christ said in the Bible 33 times, he said, take no thought. And that's exactly what he meant. He meant to connect with your core, to look at your truth, to totally be the kind, the loving, the compassionate child of God that you're put here to be. And it's so important for all of us to wake up to our truths instead of buying into all this negative, what I call societal garbage that we Mm -hmm. have going around us. So um, if someone
0: wants to find their truth, but let's say that they have a lot of their own personal filters, you know, like your experience growing up where your parents wanted to hide the epilepsy. So that put an artificial filter of truth really in front of your eyes. And and maybe for a while you were actually experiencing thinking something was true when it wasn't. So how do we actually find the truth when we have these? I, I mean, everybody has them.
1: Well, you can find the truth when you're honest with yourself. I mean, totally honest. Like you can say, okay, a lot of people will say, okay, I wear a lot of makeup. Okay, that's fine. That is a truth for me. I like it. I wear I wear this. I have long, sparkly fingernails. Okay, That is a truth for me. I like it. You have to totally look at yourself because when somebody else says a truth to you, okay, and it hooks you and you feel bad about it, then there's something you need to learn from it. And the philosophy I always give to my clients, uh, Dr. Kimberly, is a philosophy of one finger out, three fingers back, which means the good you see in others is the good you have inside yourself. And you should applaud it and applaud yourself and give yourself credit for that. Give yourself a great big hug. And conversely, the things about other people that irritate you or really hook you on the insides are God's way or the universe's way of showing you what you still need to work on in your life. Mm -hmm. Because you can be in a relationship and then people get all upset with that relationship because in a relationship, you're seeing yourself. It's a mirror for you, Mm -hmm. okay? And they drop that relationship. I'm gonna get somebody better in my life, okay? And then when you don't, love yourself first, you don't have love to give. So it happens all over again. Mm -hmm. And they don't realize while they're going through the same, it's just like a little gerbil being on a little wheel going around and around doing the same thing over and over again. So you have to wake up to your truth in order to be peaceful, in order to be successful, in order to be the child of God and the person that God put you here to be, to have fun and then to enjoy life. Mm -hmm. And how important is it for us to have
0: uh, a best friend, a partner, uh, you know, friends who can actually kind of reflect back to when we're we're going to find that truth? You know, sometimes we think certain things about ourselves, but then someone who knows us well can kind of shed a light and say, oh, have you looked at it this way?
1: Well, friends and your significant other or or whatever, whoever people you have in your life are definitely important, okay? And you have to be important to yourself first. You have to love yourself first. You have to be honest with yourself first. You have whatever you seek in another person, you have to first become in yourself. In relationship um, seminars that I give, I ask people to write down characteristics of what they want in a relationship. Okay. And no, I give them a few minutes run down. Then I look at them and I say, are you those characteristics? Mm-hmm. You become those characteristics and that person will be in your, in your life like that because it's a reflection of you. And I don't mean everything will always be rosy. Okay. Mm-hmm. You learn, you constantly learn from the other people in your life.
0: That is beautiful. Yeah. That is, and that is so true. Become who you want to attract.
1: Yeah. We have to become the change we want to see. If we want our society to be kind, if we want our society to be compassionate, if we want our society to become loving, then each and every single one of us have to embrace those traits that we want to see.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Exactly. And as you're talking about that, I was
0: thinking about what's been happening in the world right now with you know the, the virus. And, yeah. and I see some people kind of going and, they're not only um, staying in their homes just to be away from but they're, they're hiding from what's happening. But then I see other people just coming out and helping others and coming together and really, you know, banding together. And I Um, had an experience last night. um, We watched as our neighbor's house burned last night. It caught on fire. And, you know, so we were there to bring, you know, clothing and you know warm place to be and you know while everything was happening and then this morning um someone put a gofundme out they beat me to it i thought i'm gonna do a gofundme and someone (laughs) did it so we're all coming together Mm -hmm. so where? how does this all go together with living in our truth actually contributing and helping how does all that go together
1: well, what's happening in the universe right now with COVID-19, with the election, with everything is a universal wake-up call to everybody. And anybody who's been in spirituality for any length of time, and I guess I started probably back in 1985 before I was diagnosed with MS, mm-hmm. We everybody knew the universal wake-up call was coming. We didn't essentially know how it would come. Mm-hmm and we knew it had to come to wake people up because people were getting too materialistic. People were getting too far away from being kind to even the members of their family. Like we used to sit down and have dinner and talk about, well, what'd you do today? What'd you do today? And now you'll see couples at a restaurant that are married and they both have their cell phones out. And I'm like, you know, this COVID-19 anything that's going on in our universe right now is here to wake us up and we're either going to wake up and survive or we're not and it's a choice each and every single individual has to make within themselves
0: yeah yeah and um so there's a lot of people in fear right now Mm -hmm. Um, We know more about what's going on than when it started, thank goodness, because when it first started, no one knew what to think, but now we're kind of have it a little more like, okay, we know what to do. So how do people move out of that fear so they can actually progress with their lives rather than, you know, die
1: either emotionally or literally? Well, fear is as real as you make it. Okay. Okay. I teach people, you can only come from two places, either love or fear, okay? Mm -hmm. And any fear, as states in the Bible, must be walked through. If you have a fear, oh, my gosh, my daughter's going to get COVID. Oh, my gosh, I'm going to get COVID, whatever. But what you're doing is you're setting it up to happen, okay? Why do you want that, okay? And I'm not saying that you shouldn't be, like, when I go out, of course, I have MS. So, yeah, I'm going to wear a mask. I'm going to protect myself and I'm going to do other things during the day to protect myself. Mm-hmm. Yet I'm going to always come from love and think to myself that that's not possible for me. Number one, I figure, you know, I've been through epilepsy and MS and some other things too. I don't think God wants to give me anything else. Hopefully, <laughs> <laughs> hopefully. Yeah. but we have to, we have to be considerate of each other. We have to protect ourselves. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh I am a person who cannot get a vaccine, so I don't worry about the vaccine. I had Guillain-Barre syndrome, which is a, I had, I was paralyzed for three months from a flu vaccine once. Mm-hmm. So my doctors told me never, ever again to get a vaccine. So I, if, and if it does come out, I can't get it. So I don't worry about it. I don't have that fear that I might get it. Mm-hmm. And I always figure, well, if I do, then at least my truths will live on and my YouTube videos will live on and everything else will live on. I don't look at things that way. I look at things very differently.
0: Yeah. And as you mentioned that, I actually had a patient a few years ago that he actually experienced the same thing with the flu shot where he got that Mm -hmm. and he was paralyzed. He was in a wheelchair for a very long time. Yeah. And, um, and I, I will have to publicly say, I will not be getting the vaccine. Yeah, <laughs> because I, be I have seen too many you know, horror stories. I also work in behavioral optometry where I worked with lots of um, special needs kids. And there's yeah. kids who were fine. They got their vaccines yep. and then they became autistic yeah. yep. and things like that. So I, I think everyone, as you're thinking about trying to help yourself Really research and know what you're taking. Don't just Uh listen to the media or someone without researching and saying, is this okay for me? And I think that goes back to the truth, back to your own gut. Uh Ask yourself, is this vaccine what I need, what will protect me, or is this vaccine going to hurt me? And I think if you ask from your heart, from your gut, Uh you're going to get the right answer.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly that it's exactly what I teach people and tell people.
0: So, yeah. And, um, talking about the MS, I know there's a lot of people that suffer from that and they can feel pretty, um, overwhelmed and it's painful and, and exhausting. Um, and I know you said that you know, everybody has to find what their trigger is as far as foods and things like that. Mm. But are there any things that you've done that have helped you either nutrition-wise or do you have a morning practice you do or something you do on a day when you're just not feeling good
1: that helps kind of pull you out of that? Mm -hmm. Oh, definitely. Even when I'm fatigued and I don't want to go downstairs, we have a little workout room downstairs. I make myself go downstairs and work out, exercise. And when when I do that, it's my mind telling my body, hey, you can do it. You can beat this.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, there
1: are days when the fatigue, you know, it it's interesting because you'll get a full night's sleep and you'll wake up and you're so fatigued that you can't open your eyes. I mean, you're just... And you just, you, I'll just work through it. There's a book out there for anybody that has MS. I highly recommend, I think it's Robert Swank. I, the last name is Swank. It's a doctor. It's called the MS Diet Book. And it talks in there about what foods to eat, what foods not to eat, what foods will trigger it. And it also has a chapter in there about the MS personality, which I found very interesting because I was like reading about myself. I mean, it was related to stubbornness and hard heartedness. And I'm like, my father used to say, Mary Ellen, you will beat a dead horse with a stick and tell it to get up. And I'm (laughs) like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And so I had to learn to back off and to be more flexible and to be more compassionate and not with other people. I was always compassionate with other people. I wasn't compassionate with myself. Mm -hmm. And we all have to embrace ourselves and love ourselves first. And eating right is so important and exercise is so important. And if you have a medication that you're taking and it's working for you, then keep taking it. I I don't advise any medical stuff at all because of my particular case. Yeah, I do have a few medications I take when it flares up. I've learned a regimen and I will go into my neurologist and I just hand him a list of different prescriptions I need. And he goes, he hands me the slips and I leave You know, (laughs) as as basically it because I'm so fortunate to have the type of MS I have, even after having it for over 30 years.
0: Wow, so I'm just gonna change gears for a minute. And I'd like to talk about your books and that peacock you have behind you. Why the peacock
1: on the book? Oh, my gosh. Yes, I love, love my little peacock. Well, do you know how peacocks get their feathers? I have no idea. <laughs> they eat thorns. And the harder the thorn is to digest in the digestive tract, the more beautiful the color in the peacock. And I relate this to people going through our trials and tribulations in life. The harder our trial and tribulation is, and we learn from it, now, that's the key. And we learn from it, the more beautiful, the more peaceful, the more successful person we become for God on this planet. Mm-hmm. That, is a, that is beautiful. And I just love
0: yeah. peacocks. I mean, it's just yeah. one of the most brilliant, beautiful animals on the planet. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. You
1: so. know, when I heard that story, I thought, I've got to use the peacock. Yeah, well, and they've
0: got to be stubborn and obstinate and determined yeah. to eat those thorns.
1: Yeah, it's just like anything else on our planet, Dr. Kimberly. It's like for a diamond to become a diamond, a piece of coal has to go undergo pressure for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. Mm-hmm. But yet we as humans expect not to do anything and just be peaceful, happy, productive people. And it just doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. So how do
0: we use those difficult times to actually come out of it? Like come out the diamond, come out the, the brilliant peacock.
1: Well, again, you have to wake up to yourself and something's going to happen. Now, there are no accidents in, in the world. You know, people will say, well, I had an accident, a car crash. Okay. God's telling you to wake up. Maybe you need to pay attention. Maybe you need, need this, you need that. Or people will say, you know, um, uh, I'm going through a divorce. My wife left me. Well, she didn't just leave you out of the blue. You know, I, even with my first husband, when he got up and just said, I don't love you anymore and left. Yeah, our, our marriage wasn't the best. I had literally recreated my mother in our own marriage, even though I didn't want to. I wasn't awake yet. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't know what was going on yet. And I truly believe our purpose for being together was my daughter. So when you go through your life and something happens to you, whether it's a diagnosis, whether it's a divorce, whether it's an accident, anything, even if you trip on your shoelaces on the sidewalk, stop for a minute and say, take a deep breath because we don't take a deep breath of life us humans. And what do you have to learn from that? What do you have to learn from that? And every time, you know, sometimes, you know anybody in a marriage is gonna get hooked And sometimes when I get hooked from my husband, I think back to myself, I say, okay, what am I still learning? Because, because I'm still a work in progress. Everybody's still a work in progress, but you have to learn and you have to wake up.
0: Beautiful. So, so you write, you wrote a couple of books. Um, Mm. Why don't you talk about the books and what's in them? And
1: okay. Well, Healing Words, Life Lessons to Inspire. This is the second edition. The first edition came out in 2011. But when I wrote this book, it was originally published by Tate Publishing. And I, they, my publisher said, well, you have to get on the internet to promote your book. And I'm like, I don't want to go on Facebook. I don't want to do that. It was back in 2011. And I was like, no, no, no. So I got on Facebook and I thought, okay, what am I going to do to promote the little vignettes, because all the in here is little vignettes on things like miracles and faith and awareness and worry and expectations and all these things that I heard from God. I thought, what could I write on Facebook to be similar to these, yet different? Mm-hmm. So I came up with the truth of the day, being like what you focus on expands, what you think about happens. But I just don't write it. I write it and then I write a paragraph about it to help people understand. Like I just opened the book up and it says, when you look at other people, you see yourself. And then I have a page about enjoying explaining that. And they're both, they're great Christmas presents for anybody. It's a great way to start a brand new year Mm -hmm. for either truth, taking responsibility, unleashes true healing or healing words, life lessons to inspire Mm -hmm. and after I did my truth of the day for a while, my Facebook friends came back and said, well, why don't you put these in a book? And I didn't want to put the same ones that I'd been writing on the internet. So I sat down, it literally took me oh, seven months to write truth, taking responsibility and True to healing because there are 366 in here. And there are 366 because my father-in-law was born on leap year. Mm -hmm. And he walked me down the aisle when I married my husband, Pete, and I wanted to do one in his honor for people that are born on leap year. So that's why there are 366. But, you know, it's been both books have been very well received and I'm very humbled and honored by that. I know I remember when Healing Words first came out and I looked at the box and I thought, oh, now I have to sell these things. And I was all prepared for people coming back and saying, Oh, how could you say this? How could you, because there's one in here on death and things like that. And people write saying, Oh, you're one on death. I just lost somebody and that helped me so much. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, okay. So when you follow your purpose or your passion that God put in front of you, everything just falls into place. Mm -hmm. Everything truly does. And. Now people want me to write another one and I'm like, no, buy the first one. <laughs> but it's a great way to start 2021 off on the right foot, on the right foot. So that's good. Would you like to
0: share some with us from your book? Um, maybe one okay. do you think that would resonate with a lot of people or there would be really important one to share?
1: Okay. From Healing Words, Life Lessons to Inspire, I just flipped to worry, and a lot of people do this. Okay, so we'll go with worry. No amount of worry about any situation ever changed the outcome of that situation. Worry only creates stress, tension, headaches, and other disorders. Why do you insist on worrying when you know in truth that worry does no good at all? Worry is a no thing. Stop Mm -hmm. creating that which doesn't exist. Amen. And I have an amen at the end, just because I heard it that way. Mm-hmm. And another one from healing, from healing words, life lessons to inspire. Let's see. What can I flip to? Come on, God, give me one. I'll uh, go to faith. Faith is your foundation. Faith is your freedom. Have faith and free your fears. Faith is something you just do, something you just accept. It is a result of finding within yourself a part of God's loving consciousness, which surrounds all of us. You will find faith in your goodness, in your heart of hearts, in your knowings and in your soul. You cannot see faith and without it, you will be forever blind. Amen. That is beautiful. That is so beautiful. So let's
0: talk a little bit more about faith. Mm-hmm. How has how how do you use faith in your life? Well,
1: I've always known that I had angels around me. My mom and dad fought a lot. And I remember going out there one time and telling my mother, hey, quit yelling at daddy, quit this fight, because I was a very sensitive child. And she just turned to me and I guess I was about eight years old at the time. And she goes, why are you standing up for him? Do you want to know what he wanted me to do with you when I was pregnant? And I didn't know about abortion at eight years old, but I knew what she was talking about. And I ran to my room. I didn't even make it to the bed. And I just started crying. And my father walked in and I looked at him and I said, is that the truth? Is mom telling the truth? And he said, Mary Ellen, we were very, very poor at the time. I didn't think we could afford it. He said, but now that I have you, I wouldn't give you up for anything in the world. And I always had more respect for my father for telling me the truth than for my mother for lashing out in anger Mm -hmm. because that just, that wasn't right to do to anybody. And so, like I said, I am a suicide survivor like you were saying because there was a time right after I finished college and I was going to a psychiatrist to get some help. And his help for me was to rape me or put me as part of the Me Too movement. And I went back and I tried to tell people I can't go back to him, And they were like, I mean, he was a head psychiatrist at the University of Georgia. I still remember his name, but I will not give it because it wouldn't do any good. And everybody said, you have to go back. You have to go back. Nobody would listen to me as to what happened. So I just took a bottle of, I had a phenobarbital at the time I was taking from my epilepsy. And I took the whole bottle and went to sleep. And I was in a coma for three days. And I remember floating up into this very dark place. It was cold and it was dark. There was no fire or anything like that. I just remember being the darkest dark place I've ever been. And it was cold. And then I remember seeing this bright, bright doorway light coming on my left. So I thought, oh, well, I'll go over there, you know. So I kind of floated over there. And this person came out with hands extended like a Christ figure. And I could see behind him how beautiful and how wonderful. And how I said, oh my gosh, I want in, I want in, I want in. And he goes, no, he said, what you did was very, very wrong. He said, and you have a lot of good to do yet. So you have to go back. And with that, he stepped back and it sounded to me just like a door, just like when you slam a door. Mm -hmm. Okay. And as soon as that door slammed, I was awake in intensive care. I mean, I had tubes running everywhere and I had nurses running around going, she's awake, she's awake, she's awake. But they'd already told my mom and dad that they didn't think I was gonna make it. And I could hear my father saying, open your eyes. Because I tell people when people are in a coma, they can't hear you because I could hear. And I tried so hard, Kimberly, to open my eyes and I just couldn't. So, and I didn't know what had happened to me for a long time. I misfigured it was a dream and I didn't tell anybody because I thought, Yeah, that really didn't happen. And then I was, I remember I was cleaning my house one time and we were in Danbury, Connecticut at the time and Phil Donahue was on and he had this person who had survived, you know, had gone through the same thing. And I just sat down and I was like, oh my gosh. And that probably started me on my spiritual journey. You know, I think I'd been on this journey all my life but it reinforced for me that yeah, I do have good things to do. And you know it's, it's just been one life lesson after another to bring me to being peaceful and whole and accepting of myself. And I would tell anybody, please do not ever try, you know, life is so precious. Please do not ever try to do anything like that. I was lucky, I, w- I was very blessed. And I'm very blessed
0: still. Beautiful. Well, thank you. And I am so glad you're here. And yes, <laughs> and yes. And your 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 words are, you know, not just inspiring, but healing and and make a difference in the world. So I'm just so happy for you and that I thank found you, you through oh, Facebook. You. So good thing yeah. you did go on Facebook because that's yeah. where I found you. Yeah. So yeah, so so
1: beautiful. So if people wanted to get your books, where do they find that? Well, they're both on Amazon. I have the links on my website, and my website is www.askmaryellen.com, mm-hmm. and that has links to Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn. And I have a YouTube channel called Ask Mary Ellen, where I do post my miracles with Mary Ellen segments after I do those every Monday. And those have been going really well. So, I've been doing those for a year now. So, you know, I'm available. I have private clients I see. I have Zoom clients that I work with. I have groups that I speak to. And I do charge. And I am, I tell people I'm an educator. You know, I'm not really a licensed therapist. I, I want them to understand that. And my deal with everybody is, you know, if you learn something from, from me, then I charge $50. A session okay if you don't learn something then don't pay me it's real simple because that keeps you happy keeps keeps me happy you know whatever mm-hmm. well that sounds really easy there <laughs> Yeah. so yeah thanks
0: for sharing everything so um what gives you personally the most
1: happiness and fulfillment in your life at this point well of course you know my my daughter and my husband and my cat, I have a cat that just walked in over there, and you know all of that gives me fulfillment. But more than that, following my purpose and my passion, you know, writing the truths of the day and having people because every time I want to quit, somebody comes back with, "Oh my gosh, thank you for posting this. This is just what I needed today." And I'm like, "That's God telling me you've got to keep going. You got to keep doing this." And I'm like, "Okay, I hear you." Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. So really doing what I'm doing now and really having these get out to people to wake people up. And yeah, I'd like people to buy the books because it would would be nice to make a little bit of money doing this because I don't get paid for my truths or anything. So it would be nice. And if I didn't believe in these books, if I didn't even more than believe, no, in these books, because you have to follow your knowings, okay? I know these books, either one of them will help whoever picks them up. And whoever reads them, whoever listens to them, and you know, no book will help you if you just read the words. You've got, what I tell people to do is you can read each book all the way through if you want to. Come back in the morning and flip to a page, okay? Mm -hmm. Read that and keep it with you all day as you go through your day. Come back and reread it at night to see what you learned about you. Because then that book will help you. Then my book will help you or God's book or whatever, however you want to call it. But if you just, no book will help you unless you do the work. Beautiful. Well, thank you. And thank you so
0: much for being on the podcast today. It's been wonderful.
1: Oh, it's been a joy to be here with you. Thank you so much, Dr. Kimberly. I appreciate it and appreciate your support and your friendship and, just blessing me with this opportunity. Thank you so much.
0: You are welcome. So, I have one last question before we complete. Okay. okay. What is your best advice on living an incredible,
1: amazing life? I would tell everyone to follow their passion, their purpose. And what I usually ask when I was teaching middle school, I would ask the kids, you know, do what you love to do and the money will come. You know, what is it that you love to do? Follow that, make that into a paying opportunity, even if you have to volunteer first, you know, to get some credibility and then make that your life. Because when you're following your passion, then you want to get up in the morning Then you want to go to work. Then you want to sit down to write. Then then you are really, really enthusiastic. I call it real. I have a group here in Uluwak. Tennessee. I was going to say North Carolina. I know I'm in Tennessee, Mary Ellen. Okay, good. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's called real health and real stands for really enthusiastic about life. Uh-huh. Because when you're really enthusiastic about life, then you're not going to want to kill yourself. You're not going to be, be depressed. You're not going to be uh, sick. You're not going to be, you're going to fulfill your life and you're going to fulfill your passion. And everybody's going to see that through you. So I tell people to follow their passion Find their purpose, and somebody will say, "Well, I don't know what my purpose is." Yes, you do. Okay. People always know what they're supposed to do. They hold themselves back because they won't, don't think they'll be a success. Well, you know, in order to be a success, you have to fail millions of times first. Thomas Edison did that with the build of the light bulb. You know, so just get yourself out there. Just do what you love to do you know, what you love to do is exercising, then find a way to become a personal trainer. If What you love to do is hairstyling, then find a way to become a stylist. You know, whatever it is you love to do, but you've got to follow your passion and be really enthusiastic about life. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much, Mary Ellen. Thank you, Kimberly. I appreciate it.
0: Yep. We'll talk to you again soon. Okay. Bye-bye.